Hi, welcome to Sacred Time. I'm Dennis Kaminsky. Joining me, my friend, Big Blurred. Um, that is not his legal name, but that is what we are going to address him as. Which, before we start, would you like to explain Big Blurred to the people at home who don't know what the fuck that means? Um, yeah, uh, Big is kind of self-explanatory. Just kind of why I am, but the... Blurred is just a mixture of the word black and nerd and definitely identify as such. So it's uh, it's what I'm going with and I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> so when you see him, please call him Big Black Nerd. That's what he prefers. Or, or Blurred. That, that's probably okay. better. It makes a different. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. This is a little less sort of offensive, but it, hey, I don't. I wouldn't take offense to it, but it just sounds a lot offensive. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot worse when you don't put the word together like that. Yeah. But no, this is Sacred Time. This is our podcast. Uh, we started this about a year ago, and we ended up giving it a break because we didn't fully have it realized. Uh, we still don't fully have it realized, so work with us as we proceed along. But we encourage people to send us uh, critiques, things that they like, interact with us, let us know what we can do better, all that kind of good standard content creating shit. Um, Absolutely. I'm excited to get it going. Uh, I've been friends with Blurred for about 16 years now, so I'm excited to go through our journey as friends and show people our dynamic in the real world. Um, I don't know if I got anything else to add on the basic intro stuff. Introducing myself isn't fun. It's really awkward. I did a job one time. I was working at Amazon, and before you started, they put everybody in these little circles, and they did like a game to introduce themselves. And it was uncomfortable because, like, I don't know what my characteristics are that people give a shit about. And I feel weird highlighting certain things. So when you start by introducing yourself, like it's, I don't know where to go. And I remember everybody's yeah. in that little circle just waiting for somebody to talk. So I was like, all right, fuck it, I'll start. Hi, I'm Dennis. Uh, I used to work at a Domino's. And there we go. Yeah. And then I, I realized like that probably did it. They probably learned as much about me as they possibly could have in one sentence from that one sentence. Probably. I mean, I also just look at it like it's kind of what I want them to know. Not to say I'm super secretive, but, oh, yeah, you, are. you know, I mean, I, I've introduced myself and then either mention something I like or just say, like, like you said, where the last time I worked. But depending on the situation, especially if it's like I'm just working here and I'm new, I don't know who I really want to know what about me yet. So. I keep it as basic as possible. So what's your approach to the podcast? Are we keeping it basic or are we going to open up our souls to the people who are spending the good time listening? Well, I mean, it's called Sacred Time for a reason. So I think it's only right that we uh, do go into a little detail about some things because, uh, yeah, you, you kind of want to know the person you're listening to, what they're about, what their interests are to see if you maybe really understand certain points that might come up at whatever time. But um, with that said, I guess we could just talk about real quick, like how we even met. Um, yeah. Do you remember how we met? Yeah. I don't remember time wise at all. Cause at one point I thought I was like maybe 12 at the time. I know for a fact I wasn't 12, but whatever it was, I, uh, it would have been a year younger. It was 2005. Yeah. Yeah. would have been about 11 then. But, um, no, nah, I just, I moved on the street, new city, didn't know anybody. You popped up on my doorstep asking if me and my brother could play. And surprisingly, my mom said yes, because that's the one thing I was like pretty sure moving out there wasn't going to be a thing as far as uh, visiting people and being around people. And it was more just a safety thing with my mom. She wasn't like restrictive or anything, but didn't think at all that when <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to say this move from your previous place I think that would give some pretty good context if I remember correctly uh, well yeah we moved from our last place because the last place the actual uh, management there robbed us they went through our house like flipped it upside down and then tried to blame it on uh, the fact that there's a school nearby and kids would walk near the property and they said like oh yeah it must have been one of those kids breaking into the house and it was obvious they did it it was like you know the whole guilty shit where you just 
want to obsessively make sure it's known there's no possible way you had any connection to it. No, they cover every single like, end. Yeah. I mean, if, even if it was me, himself. I couldn't do that. I hurt my back, and that's a big-ass mattress spring, so I wouldn't be able to move that. It's just it's impossible. They call you like a week later. They're like, actually, I just thought of another reason why I couldn't have done it. Yep. And you're like, oh, I thought we already talked about Shit. this. And like, yeah, but this is a better, this one's more definitive than the last one I told you. So I just felt like I should also, just so you're aware that it was not me. Yeah. Yep. Shit, there. like, yeah, I wanted still a GameCube. I already have a GameCube. Yeah. So who the fuck said our GameCube got stolen? But all right. But it, it was also just one of those situations where, we weren't going to get justice for it. So instead of trying to fight it or deal with the situation any further than that, we bounced, found somewhere else. And clearly, up. subconsciously, you guys must have thought that shit was real because when I knocked on the door, you said everybody got paranoid. You guys thought the kids were coming back to steal more stuff. No, no. You're like, shit, he's one of those kids that. that got dropped off down the street. And I was like, I know where you guys live. Well, the bad part was the kids they were insinuating did it didn't look like you. So that mm. that that was yeah, no issue there. Pretty skinny but, guy. <laughs> but uh, nah, it it was definitely for the better. I mean, the place we were at anyway was just very. Uh, it was an apartment complex, so there's only so much you could do anyway. So being able to move into an actual house was fun, just because it meant we could actually have a neighborhood to hang out in and meet people and all that kind of stuff. Didn't really meet anybody other than you or at least associated with anybody other than you. So, um, yeah, no, it was that, that part of it was cool. Oh yeah. No, I remember when you guys moved in, I was excited to test out to see if the new kids were as shitty as the old kids. Cause (laughs) I wasn't a big fan of all the friends I had on the street. So I was like, Oh yeah, hopefully these kids are all right. You guys were all right. I mean, clearly hung around for a while so yeah it's I, I think more than anything it's just the the growing up part you know like a lot of that because we were still like relatively young at that point it was just a lot of growing up together and trying to figure shit out so sometimes together sometimes like just knowing that whatever's going on we're still both present in those moments um, oh yeah that 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 is something that I definitely find invaluable in the sense of it's I don't think it's always common to be able to kind of identify somebody that like outside of a sibling of course if you have one but someone you can legit say like hey I grew up with this person I know where they were where they came from why they are the the way they are now and to have that kind of uh, to know that those truths and have that honesty with somebody is rare. So, no, I agree completely. I'm I'm very grateful for our relationship. I absolutely I absolutely view you as a sibling. I agree. I feel like it's a, a similar way. We uh, we grew up with each other. We're within a year apart of each other, so we were experiencing a lot of the same things in life at the same time. Um, actually, to that point, I was going to ask you: um, Was there ever a moment when you look back on growing up where? you felt like the the flip switched do you know what i mean where you started to realize like oh shit this is somebody who i think i'm probably going to maintain an association with because i think that's really interesting because i've always been friends with a lot of people and i think when i look back sometimes i don't really remember what's the thing that puts it over but i think i do when it comes to you and i'll share that in just a second if you don't have something oh no yeah um you know i i think for me and especially just because I'm somebody that I I'm try to be pretty um, considerate in like what people share with me or what they talk to me about because um, I, there was a time like quick side story there was a time where I was going to my old high school before I transferred to where we went and uh, there was this guy who was having some trouble he was getting bullied and whatnot and. I just so happened to be there. We started talking and he just told me all this different stuff about how he was so tired of being bullied. But then the conversation went into what he had a passion for and what he wanted to do in life and how he was working to reach that goal. And by the end of the conversation, even though I really didn't do anything except for sit there and listen, 
it made his day so much better and he felt this relief and then a after that every time he would see me he'd go out his way hey man how you doing and yeah. it was a great feeling so it made me realize like you know I think it's real easy for us nowadays to kind of be in a conversation and not really be in the conversation kind of like how there, I'm sure there's some people listening to this podcast and they may be doing other things, but they're not just focusing directly My on My guess is it's playing on their phone. You know, something like that. They're driving, they're they're working on something, whatever it is. But it's moments where I think you, I think it's only the... I think it's one of the most human things to do that you have to kind of slow down and really pay attention to the people you associate yourself with because those moments a lot of times are like once in a lifetime things. You may not see this person ever again, but if you focus and take care of what that exchange is, it could be something that is a part of you going forward in a lot in a way deeper manner than you may have even uh, thought it could be. So that whole thing aside, uh, we were having a conversation one day um, just you and me in a basement, and it was about some heavy basement stuff. Basement at the house that I used to stay at. Yeah, yeah. That's... We'll probably referenced the basement more than once. That's actually where we came up with the idea for Sacred Time a long time ago, but good. No, yeah. Um, but we were, we were having a conversation, and it was a heavy conversation, but it was one that kind of similar to that other conversation I mentioned. I personally didn't do a lot of talking, but you had a lot to talk about. You had a lot to explain and when i realized what we were talking about was something that was very much you in, in the sense of this this wasn't a conversation about wrestling this wasn't a conversation about music this wasn't some of these other passionate conversations we had before this was a passion coming from just what you were going through at that time that made me realize like clearly i'm somebody that he trusts and he feels that was worth taking his time and explaining what was going on. And I took that to heart because I'm like, again, you didn't have to explain anything to me. You didn't have to tell me anything about what was going on, but you felt the need to do so for one, because you felt it was right for me to know in that case. But I, I also believe in the case it was because you knew that I was someone that was going to take it seriously and really care about what you had to say. So it was that moment for me that kind of made me go like, yeah, this is totally different. This isn't like any other friendship I had with this person or that person because I take the trust that you have to put into someone seriously. If you're putting that trust into me, then it's it makes me believe and know that I can do the same to you because it, it, it'd be reciprocated. And that's kind of just how it was, how, how I felt about it. That's interesting. Um, I, I know you don't want to put my personal business out there, but uh, was this a conversation about my dad? Yeah. That's actually the exact same moment that I was thinking about referencing, so I'm, I'm really happy to hear that the, the hey, film man. was reciprocated <laughs> at the time. You're killing this but shit. yeah, um, when I was a little bit younger, uh, my dad passed away. My dad passed away when I was 16 years old, and I was struggling, obviously, with it at the time quite a bit, and I didn't feel like I had a lot of people who... I felt like a lot of people at the time kind of danced around the subject quite a bit. It was a very heavy subject, and I think most people were aware of the circumstances, but they also didn't really want to get into them with me because they were difficult. Uh, for context, anybody who obviously doesn't know me or my story, my dad committed suicide when I was 16 years old. So at the time, I think most of the people that I associated with were aware of that fact. But it's a very difficult subject to approach, right? Especially with somebody like me who, like, I'm, I'm generally really goofy. I push it off a lot. I don't take stuff, you know, seriously all the time. So I think for a lot of people, it was a difficult subject to approach. And I remember with you, um, I don't remember what sparked the conversation specifically, but you asked me a question. Like, it was a, it was a serious question about it, like, in regards to how I was doing. And it felt really good at the time because I wasn't getting that question very often. You know what I mean? And in fairness, I, I mean, I was carrying myself as if I were okay. So it's not like I was putting off that I needed help to anybody. As a matter of fact, most of the time, I kind of tried to go in the opposite direction. I was trying to, you know, put on a good face and kind of be the man in the situation and make sure everything was being taken care of. Although, in retrospect, I was way too young and not nearly emotionally capable of handling something like that. 
But I remember in the moment when uh, you asked me about it, because I remember the conversation in the basement as well, I believe we were talking about uh, uh, it, it stemmed through uh, Stairway to Heaven, if I remember correctly. Because uh, the day that it happened, I remember sitting in the car, and the thing that made me break was I was listening to the radio and Stairway to Heaven came on. And you asked me before that, like, what specifically makes Stairway to Heaven to you one of the best songs ever? And then I remember kind of pouring that on. And then after that, you asked me, how are you doing with all of that? And like I said, that was the first time that I had gotten that question. And it was a very natural, like I said, through music. It was just through something that we, we would bullshit about, uh, you know, regularly. And uh, I agree. It opens up a trust. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you've always been very, um, you've always taken the conversations that we had very seriously. You've treated my business very seriously. Uh, I respect the fact that when we started the conversation, you didn't specifically mention what the conversation was out of just, you know, respect for the fact that maybe it's not something that I would specifically want to talk about but like I said it's sacred time so I am 100% open for anything um but yeah that's exactly how I felt too man it was it was after my dad passed away we had a conversation and it felt good I really needed it at the time and it was the right conversation it wasn't even anything crazy it was just you know where you at you know what I mean it was really nice in that moment to just kind of explain to people like it's been hard this happened and I didn't feel like this was fair and I felt like this was a tough situation to approach and this and that and the other thing and like I said you were or like you mentioned you were very patient you just listened and it helped quite a bit I I was fucking nervous because the more you talked about it now I'm remembering exactly what we were talking about and I remember I wanted to ask but kind of to your point where I guess I think with anybody you're not really sure how people are truly doing so you don't know if maybe approaching something's a good idea or not for me, it was kind of like the same, like, I don't know if this is something you want to talk about, but if it is, I didn't want to just, like, deny that or neglect it to be like, oh, well, I don't know, so I'm just not going to at least reach out, and, um, like I said, man, it's, I think a lot, a lot of times, just we, I mean, generally everybody, uh, there are certain moments, certain things that, you realize like it's it's like a it's a feeling you can't describe but when you recognize it you know like okay this is different from oh, most yeah. things I agree. and that's all that conversation yeah it's you a feel connection that kind of stuff with people and you're like this is somebody who on like a certain emotional level i can connect with and it makes me feel like a certain sense of security and going in these these subjects that i maybe don't want to explore with other people yeah and i i think it's a it, it's something that doesn't always get um, enough attention. Maybe I'm trying to say attention. Maybe it's more like a um, enough uh, emphasis on it. In a sense, like I said, we're we're everything's so fast paced. Everything's so like okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Move on to the next one. And sometimes I think it's better like you you should slow down a bit because you gotta still assess what's really going on, where you're at, and where you're going, and what you want to do with whatever the situation is. And sometimes it's just having a conversation with someone and being locked in, no cell phone, no whatever, just really having that talk. And like you said, that ultimately is what led to sacred time being a thing. Cause it was literally like, Hey, we're not watching shit. We might have some music in the background, but we're just having conversations right now. Yeah. I was going to say that conversation was one of the early conversations that we had where we started opening up a a, a lot in life. And uh, we had another person who we were hanging out with a lot at the time who was originally a part of sacred time, but he's a little busy right now. We're hoping to get him back on as it goes. I'm saying that. So when you watch it, you're incited to do it, but uh, uh, no. So basically um, you, me and our friend Dylan would stay the night at my house all the time and we'd sleep in the basement. And then every night before bed, when you're, you know, just like laying down and not really paying attention to anything else. And it's just like the the three of you, we're sleeping in the same bed. So it's a very intimate situation. We're all on top of each other. It's sweaty. You have absolutely (laughs) no choice but to acknowledge one another. Um, No, we had a couch. So you and Dylan slept on the the very large section with each other. You guys had like with, you probably could have done it in the social distancing age. It was a pretty large couch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I had my own little bed, my own little area. I got to sleep like a king every night. Um, but yeah, no. So every night, um, before bed, we would start just talking about whatever we had on our minds. And we started noticing that that period between 
us turning off our phones and us falling asleep was like the most honest conversations that we were ever having with anybody in our entire lives, for better or for worse, because sometimes honesty is a very tough thing to approach, you know what I yeah. mean? Because then you realize, like, oh, fuck, I'm weird. But, uh, uh, yeah, so we would have those conversations all the time at night, and then for some reason we started just dubbing that period of the night sacred time. So when it came time to brand a podcast, it seemed like an absolute no-brainer. We got to try to maintain that energy that we had. Hopefully not too much. We'll try to avoid too much of the weird shit if possible. I can't promise, although, because I don't know. It's not how my brain works, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, one of the things that I was going to ask you to, to, to circle back to the original conversation that we were having a second ago, um, you mentioned that the conversation that you and I had in the basement in regards to um, with my dad and stuff like that, you said that you were, you were really scared. And that's a really interesting point to make because that's part of the reason that I, I didn't want to talk with it about I didn't want to talk about it with anybody. Was right. I could sense that with most people. As a matter of fact, there was a story that happened that I think I, I talked to you about. It was about a week before then. Um, I was at school and it was the first day that I went back after everything had happened. And nobody was fully aware. I think the people my age and who hung out within my group kind of had a little bit of the information because you know friends talk and stuff like that right but the teachers were not aware because apparently my mom told the counselors like hey don't get into it i don't know why but so my teachers didn't know and i didn't know that they didn't know so i went into school assuming that the teachers were aware of what was going on and i remember that this was one of the hardest moments for me and as weird as it sounds it had nothing to do with me specifically but like it made the whole topic that much more uncomfortable to me. You know what I mean? Um, like it made me kind of shy away from it a little bit more because I was in class. Somebody asked me where I had been. I explained to them what happened. It was like the first conversation that I had when I got to school, so it immediately bummed me out. So I'm sitting there. I'm starting to feel kind of sad now because you know I just reminded myself of everything that was going on. And then my teacher comes over and she gives me the paper, and then she like you know walked around. It was like the opening sheet for math class or whatever like do these 15 problems in the first 20 minutes and then we'll start the class or whatever happens so then she comes back around and I only did like two of them right and I'm like struggling and I'm just sitting there kind of thinking more than anything and then she was like are you going to do the problems and I was like if I'm being completely honest like I'm kind of struggling right now and she was like do you need help with it and I was like no I don't think I'm going to do it and she was like, okay, well, if you're not going to do it, and then she started giving me, like, an attitude. And in the moment, I was like, oh, damn, she's a bitch. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you're a cold-hearted person, lady. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're taking out some shit on me, and that's not fair at all. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm allowed a moment right now. But it pissed me off, and I, like, shut down, and I was kind of out of it. And then the rest of the day, I didn't do anything, and I was stubborn. I gave her an attitude. I probably swore at her, unfortunately. That's a bad tendency <laughs> that I have sometimes. Um, so then the next class I'm sitting there and the girl who I spoke with at the beginning of the class after class spoke with the teacher and let her know what was going on and she didn't know what was going on so this was the first that she was hearing of it so I'm in my next hour and then suddenly we get a knock at the door and she's like hey Dennis can you come here and I'm like oh shit I'm about to get in trouble for this <laughs> like I thought I'm getting pulled out of class and she's about to say like hey that was bullshit and you're disrespectful and you're you're grounded or suspended <laughs> or whatever they would do Right. And uh, so she pulls me out of the class, and then I saw the look in her eyes, and it was just fucking pure pain. You know what I mean? Like, she realized what was going on, and that, that shit broke my heart so bad. So it was a difficult conversation to approach. So like I said, I appreciated uh, when you and I got into it, and then it opened up a Pandora's box of many other conversations that we've since spent the rest of our lives talking about. And uh, I'm very grateful for that. I know it was a little bit of a backtrack, but... When we were finishing up the story, I wanted to tell that story, and you kind of started jumping into something else. So I just hijacked the conversation and went back to where I wanted to go. But uh, like, now you're, you're in control again. Sometimes. You can take the conversation from here. You're more than welcome to. <laughs> no problem, man. Nah, I, like I said, I for me, it was, you know, kind of fuck whatever anxiety I had about whether or not how you would respond to me asking a question. Uh at the end of the day, I was like, I, I wouldn't be um, okay with like trying to go on with that night and not acknowledge it. Not when it was already yeah. referenced, we talked about it, and I could tell it was something still obviously heavy on your heart. Um, not not to say I ever thought you were just okay, but like you said, like it, you also, 
when we talked it for the most part when we did other stuff you it was kind of like everything was normal so it's yeah it's a weird position to be in it's a difficult spot but i do think it's good for people who are dealing with people in those situations like you know you got to wait for somebody to kind of give you something but when they do give it to you take full advantage of it yeah that's how i've always felt in dealing with people in those situations when people are struggling with grief or in mourning or with anything bad, to be completely honest, even if it's just like a rough week or whatever the case is, when they start to give you a little bit, that's your chance to ask, you know? Exactly. Do you think that, um, do you think most people feel responsive to those questions in your experiences? Or do you feel like it's a very difficult situation to approach unless you do have a connection with somebody, though? Uh, you know, it's, it's very dependent on the individual, I think, because, like I said, the... Uh, so one point I didn't make about that earlier story was the guy who's being bullied. He was being bullied because he was gay and he was, um, there were things known about him that because he was gay was made into a bigger thing than what it should have been. He was yeah. a huge Mariah Carey f- fan. Uh, would ask, actually it? took, exactly. <laughs> actually took singing lessons. So he would be in there like legit singing songs hitting them high notes and all that and he also did dance so he got mercilessly bullied for that and it was one of those things where like i seen it i knew about it didn't know him i never reached out but in that one moment where we were there and actually if i remember right he was uh crying a little bit and got embarrassed because i seen him and i told him hey man don't don't worry about it i get it and then we started talking from that point on. Um, I will say because of the type of person I knew him to be by the little bit I knew about him, I knew he responded great to that because it was like, hey, this is one of the few times that since you've been here that anyone's actually listened to you, took a chance to give a shit about whatever you were about, whatever mattered to you, and didn't shit on you for liking different things than other people. But at the same time, there might be somebody who they are more of a, I don't know what's the correct term, but if they're more like eternal with some of those things where, hey, it sucks, but I kind of got my own way of dealing with it, whether it's healthy or not, reaching out doesn't, may not matter. Or they may just think like, oh, well, yeah, I see you're doing this, but they already have some idea in their head about how, oh, you're only doing it for this reason or yeah, you're saying all this, but I'm not really buying it. So I think it's still worth it, you know, because it's, I, I look at it, if there's a 50-50 chance that me speaking and saying something is going to help them or just like they're like whatever about it, there's still that chance that it could help. And the other end of it is it doesn't, and that's unfortunate, but at least there wasn't just like it, left to their own um their own thoughts and on own uh issues with it it's it's difficult because i i get where you don't want to be like intrusive and in somebody's own shit about it but yeah, it's a difficult conversation to yeah. approach sometimes it's a really weird like balancing act of i don't want to cross a line but at the same time i also know that with feelings sometimes you do have to kind of press in order to actually get information out of somebody and it's difficult because sometimes, like, I've been there personally where when I do have that conversation, like, in a non-comfortable situation, I will overshare unintentionally. Do you know what I mean? And then you pull back after that a lot more because then sometimes you'll share a bit of information with somebody that's maybe too personal for where your relationship is at. Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of like, oh, no, I don't want to talk to you anymore. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, you accidentally got some real shit. No, yeah, it, it is that. And... The, the best thing I can say to it is as long as you're not trying to tell someone how to feel about something, like sometimes people go that route of, oh, I want to help this person. So they go up and they tell them, hey, well, this is what I did and this is all you have to do and you'll be okay. That's never the route because as soon as you start saying that, oh, I know this and this is all you got to do, then a lot of people, I won't say all people, but a lot of people will just take that as your dismissing their own feelings and you just know what's right and whatever they're feeling even if it is maybe not technically correct 
they still have to explore that and have to accept that themselves that it's not correct if that's the case. You can tell people the right answer all day, but if they're not willing to accept that, it doesn't matter. So Absolutely. So uh, I guess one quick question then while we're on the subject of kind of the kind of conversations that led to us starting this podcast and our relationship leading into it. Now that we've started officially doing Sacred Time once again, what are you hoping to accomplish um, in regards to the viewer? Like if you could send a message to the people who are going to be watching the show, what do you hope to accomplish through Sacred Time? Uh, you know, honestly, kind of what we just talked about. I'd My hope for this podcast and for anyone listening is that whatever way you went in listening to it, whether it you had a great day or you had a bad day, you had a rough day, whatever is going on in it, if listening to us and the conversations we have can either, you know, help you better deal with a situation on your end or motivate you to do better at whatever problem or whatever situation you're working on currently, that's that's a win for me. Like we're I'm in no way saying that I'm a motivational speaker, because I'm not, but <laughs> at at the same time, I know there's a lot of things that I struggle with and have beaten and things I still struggle with today that having a simple conversation with somebody that I know cared was enough for me to kind of get myself to that next point. So to the same thing, you know, we I want to have these conversations and be open and honest about them. But then if there's ever something that people have a question about or just want input on it, I'm all there for it. I want to I want to have that dialogue with everyone because that's what, like I said, stuff like podcasts, uh, advancements and then technology that we have to where here we are talking. We're not even in the same room, but we see each other. We hear each other and everyone else is going to be able to do the same. We should use that to better ourselves in any way possible. And if it's as simple as just having a bit of humanity to care for each other, to have interesting conversations and to be open to those opinions like that's that's what we should do that's that's what the effort should be so that's what i'm hoping we get from this but i know we'll get from it you have way better motivations than i do (laughs) i was just looking for an excuse to tell dick jokes i mean hey it's you can't really go on stage anywhere right now so if you're going to tell dick jokes just don't do what some people have been doing like they they've done like stand up and they do stand up like they're in front of a live audience, so it's awkward. Cause oh, at no, home, at like like we're doing right now, like they just but, start pacing know, around their house. But well, probably that too. But like I mean, in the sense of like actual beats, like you know how you'll tell a joke and you do it in a way to where you let the audience kind of get involved in it. Some I'm not saying all, and I'm damn sure not a comedian to say uh, or have enough. Uh, which. What you call it? Um, not a reputation, credentials, whatever you want to call it. Credentials, reputation. I'm not I a comedian. Both of those I don't get paid for it. Career. So yeah. take my opinion about it as you will. But it's awkward as shit when someone's having a conversation and you're giving a pause for a reaction as if you would if you had a live audience, but you don't have a live audience. So it's like they're just talking and they'll say the joke. And then they go on from there, but it's like, why yeah. the pause? Like you, at that point, you just roll into the next one, I think. But I'll say, if you're a comedian, in your defense, you obviously have to work the room first and foremost. So if you're working a different platform than an audience, then you should probably adapt accordingly. But I guess if those are jokes that you're going to be using for the stage, you might as well get yourself conditioned and performing them the way that you're going to when you're in front of an audience. I you guess. Know what I mean. I mean, then I guess I, if you get too used to telling the jokes without the beats, then you start telling the jokes like you're in, in a podcast in front of a live audience. You know what I mean? Then it kind of evens itself out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, there's a way to go about it. Um, it's not my profession to be able to say what's the right way or wrong way. But Actually, I was going to say, um, one of the things that I was really excited about getting into at one point in the podcast, and I guess we'll just start off with it. Uh, do you remember your stand-up routine? Gosh, damn it. No, no. You I don't mean, remember I, your stand-up routine? I remember 
this really bad joke I had that was literally somebody else's stand-up routine. But oh. because <laughs> because I wasn't it wasn't mine. Dennis I, Leary. Was it? Holy shit, dude. Oh, Dennis. I, I don't know. <laughs> no. You're like Carlos Mencia. Yeah, basically. Yeah, because I mean <laughs> the the problem not only was it like you're selling jokes, but then because it wasn't your joke when you hear the original, like, oh, now I get how this joke was supposed to sound. If it makes you feel any better, all of the funny stuff was entirely you. That's fine. Like what worked about the, the joke <laughs> had nothing to do with the joke. It was all you. So I'll, I'll run through it with people. Yeah, same no. I remember it verbatim. I remember it better than you do, apparently. Yeah. So one time we were hanging, I was in the basement and he came over. Uh, Maurice just lived two houses down from where I lived at the time when we were kids, so he would spend a lot of time. Yeah, we were kids, by the way. Let's emphasize that because I'm not doing that shit. 17, 16 or 17 right now. I I think, as a matter of fact, (laughs) I might have been in my senior year of high school. You may have already been graduated at the time because you had a lot of extra time on your hands. Actual adult at this point. You said what? I'm not. I'm just making an emphasis that in this day and age, I would never do some shit like that. I thought it was funny in the moment, but. So That's he's fun. done with puberty and stuff already, and he comes over to my house, and he's like, hey, I got a stand-up routine. Uh, or not a routine. He's like, I got an idea for a joke. I want to run it by you. So I remember the joke, and I'll tell the joke, too, and I, I don't know who to credit the joke with. I don't know who to credit the joke. Me either. Or I don't know who to credit the joke with because I don't know who you stole the routine from now, but <laughs> I was under the impression that this was a, a Big Blurred original. No. But you come over, and the best part about it was your body language, because you d- went to perform it like on a stage. So when you stood up, you like puffed your chest out first of all, <laughs> like you wanted like a really big, confident posture when you're doing your stand-up act, because nothing's funnier than being the alpha. You already got the wrong mindset going in. You know what I mean? You got to be the guy that they laugh at, not the guy that they're scared of. True. But so you come in there, and you got your chest all puffed out. You start doing like this really cocky swagger when you're walking back and forth. <laughs> so then you start going through and you do the joke. And the uh, the setup to the joke was, so I got a roommate and he's uh, he's actually a vegan. He just recently switched over to a full vegan diet. And uh, uh, the other day, we, he and I get into arguments all the time about, you know, what, what's better, vegan food or regular vegan food. He doesn't drink uh, regular dairy. He does his almond milk and stuff like that. And I, I drink dairy. So uh, one morning, he makes me a cup of coffee, and we always argue about what's better, regular dairy or the, the almond milk, and gives me a cup of coffee, and he's like, how's that cup of coffee? I'm like, oh, it's, it's pretty good. And he's like, oh, cool, there's uh, almond milk in it. And I was like, damn, he got me. So uh, anyways, the next morning, he starts you know, doing your swagger again. Anyways, the next morning, I uh, wake up, and I make the guy a cup of coffee, and uh, he takes a drink, and I'm like, how is that? And he's like, oh, it's pretty good. And I'm like, cool. I fucked your girlfriend. <laughs> and you did like the cartoon thing where you like mm-hmm. did like, whoop. Well, that's just what I did. Like I was going to zoom in on you or something like that. But I was impressed that you gave it an effort. I'm really sad to hear that that wasn't an original routine. I thought the one no. thing that you really needed to work on was your body language. And it turns out that that was the one thing that was working for you. What you need to work out on is not stealing material. We just started, Maurice. <laughs> Hey, in my defense, that was the thing to do in high school anyway, was somebody says something funny, you just repeat it multiple times. Oh, I agree completely. That's most of my jokes when I was younger were just (laughs) stealing shit from like Chris Rock or Dave Chappelle Chappelle or somebody like that. To be fair, he also had a sketch show that kind of made some of the points were like kind of literally made in a way that it became catchphrases. Yeah, exactly. I did that a lot with TV shows where I would, or like, I used to do a lot of uh, Will Ferrell quotes too when I was younger. Yeah. Like the dumb shit he would say. I'd be like, I'm hilarious. <laughs> but, I mean, it worked because whether you were hilarious or it was close enough that you remembered the real thing, that's basically how it worked. I agree. Whatever happened to your stand up career? Why'd you give up on that? Uh, you know, I found out it wasn't really funny. You know, like. I have a pretty good sense of humor, but in terms of writing, I'm terrible. So. Joke delivery and stuff like that. You know, I think yeah. you're a funny guy. I think the funniest thing, uh, you came over to want to do the last podcast. It's the last one I'll do on you, don't worry. 
No, it's uh, when you came over to do one of the last podcasts when we were shooting it at the apartment still before everything got crazy, you came over and uh, you had a hole in your sock that nobody noticed, but you <laughs> wanted to draw attention to it, I guess, to kind of beat us to the punch. So you came over and you made like this really weird comment where you like walked in, you're like, yeah, and I know half my foot's hanging out. We're like, what? <laughs> like, I know half my foot's hanging out. Like, your shoes are still on. What the fuck are you talking about, man? And then you took your shoes off and you showed us and it was like a like that big of a hole it wasn't even that bad and it was on the bottom of your sock too so we would have never seen it but then i remember the funniest part about it was when we said what the second time you were like ah nothing it was just a joke i had coming in it wasn't funny anyways let's go ahead and start the podcast (laughs) basically like see you still got some you do funny shit still everybody's got their things (laughs) nah i've writing that that's my biggest thing and i i don't have the um the ability to do it like all all top of my head just easy other unless it's like a a dick joke but those are too yeah, easy or that's what she said or a response to something that's already well i mean i could do better than that's what she said but it, i'm just saying like i'm also like only a little bit better than that's what she just said a jokes. little bit better than that's what she said gotcha it's like you gotta give you gotta give props um if I ran a four four, I ran four four, not a four five. I didn't run either. I think the fastest I've ever ran was a five nine. F- five nine. Five nine. That's under six. Five. Yeah, I yeah, I'd say about five nine. I've never been timed. I've never been clocked on a 40-yard dash. Here's the thing. <laughs> They're not fun. They're not fun unless you're Were actually fast. Here's the sad part. Like, I remember I ran my first 40, and the disappointment on my coach's faces. <laughs> when they saw your time. <laughs> like, like, before I even got to the finish line, it was just, like, disappointment. Just pure, pure disappointment. Were you out as a running back, though? No. This oh, was, okay. I don't even know why we, they, we were just doing 40s for some reason. Yeah. And these, these were actually clots. So, uh, no, actually, you know, that was when um, they started taking it serious. That was the issue. Or not the issue, but that, <laughs> when they started they, taking they, it serious. So it then, seriously. like, well, we started actually uploading our stuff to Max Preps. Uh, Max Preps. Yep. So you can go on there, you can see your 40 time, you can see your bench, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, that's when they started doing a thousand pound club. So we actually had goals and things to be like, Hey, this is where you're at. Instead of just here's some helmets, have fun, yeah. <laughs> which I feel like was all of football until we had that coach change, um, my junior year, but, um, not nah, yeah, It, that was the unfun part was just the fact that Again, if you're fast, it's cool. Even if you weren't the fastest, it was just fun to compete. I knew I wasn't competing with nobody. So yeah. it was just like, all right, well. That's a funny one. You played, what, left tackle, right tackle? Yeah, basically everywhere on the line except for center. Everywhere except center. I was supposed to be, but then I couldn't snap for shit in grass. That's the funny part. All through the summer on the basketball court, no problem. As soon as we get to grass, it was like, oh, shit, the I get hit with some fucking kryptonite or some shit. I just lost all power. You just fall so. over forward. You can't get well, your balance it, or anything like that. I don't. I don't know what it was. I didn't was think it, just it was going to surface. Were you able to like snap it off better when it was? I I think what it was is more like, resistance with the grass. Like it yeah, kind of like kill the momentum on it some. So so it, it was more. Um, what I'm trying to say, it was like it was more friction. So where on the basketball court, it was just kind of slip, and there was no yeah. issues there. On the grass, where I needed to be as low as I needed to be at center, just wasn't working. That's how I was doing baseball practice on a basketball court is a thousand times scarier. Because when the ball hits the grass, it generally slows down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it loses momentum. Yeah, it doesn't happen when it hits the court. No. It gains momentum, and it starts <laughs> coming at you faster. So it like skips and picks up speed. Yeah. So like, hey, we're gonna do some ground ball drills. Ready? You're like, no. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. It's... 
there's definitely some questionable things that happen with high school sports, but that's also where you kind of learn to be a man sometimes. Sometimes. Well, if if you take the lessons that you learned from high school sports and you feel like that's all that you need to be a man, then those are probably nah, most. I, I was saying more so like just the shit you're exposed to, like shit Did like it? that, like baseball is flying at you, bouncing on basketball oh, yeah, courts, shit like yeah, that. I get you like, prepared for life. You gotta stop being like, a bitch. The real world's point. not easy, kid. <laughs> They're not throwing baseballs at me really fast in the real world. That doesn't happen very often. You gotta pay bills. Well, it's, it's a mental thing because sometimes that's how bills feel. Like a that's baseball being picking yeah, up speed. The, it's a big metaphor. Just throwing straight gas at you. I watched a kid get clocked in the face with a baseball and his tooth fell out, but he had braces in, so it was just Ooh. hanging in his braces. I've never seen Bills do that to anybody. <laughs> it feels that way sometimes, man. I guess I can't. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. You, you ask some folks, they probably take that baseball instead of deal with some of the bills. I guess that, I mean, it depends on how old you are. If those are my first teeth, my baby teeth <laughs> as they call them, and I know they're going to grow back, go ahead and knock them all out. But if those are my full adult teeth, then I'm going to also have to pay bills on top of getting my face smoked because I'm going to have to get my teeth reinstalled. Well, I, I don't think anyone's the, throwing the a baseball term. at a child because that's the only way to be your new teeth. Well, then I don't want to get hit in the face with a baseball unless I'm a little kid. <laughs> All right. But then if I'm a little kid, I got to worry about, like, brain damage worse because it's a developing brain. And there's just too many variables at this point. This question stresses me out. It's, it's the important ones, man. These are the ones that get your brain working and, yeah, and enable like you to think outside the box. Because I never even considered, like, oh, shit, then you would have to get, you'd have bills to get veneers to fix it. Mm-hmm. But, but when I you're a kid, was, your parents pay your bills. They don't make you start paying those until you turn a certain age. And speaking of outside of the box, I hate sitting down in front of a camera. This shit is so physically uncomfortable. I feel like I'm stuck, and I can't get out of this little area, and I have to like stay working within here, and I move around much too often to deal with something like this. Yeah, these are first I, I world have, problems, but... I got a serious pain in like my left hip right now from how I'm sitting on this couch. That I'm like, I, I want to adjust, but then I just fuck up the shot. So, you know, just going to power through it right now. If you want to. I don't think anybody would hold it against you at this point. Probably not. My guess is we're 47 minutes in. Yeah, people probably turned the podcast off about 46, 47 minutes ago now at this point. Fair. But uh, uh, <laughs> no, there was one topic specifically that you did bring up that you did want to get into for this week's episode. Yep. Um, there was a quote that you thought that was interesting. And... Uh, I guess this is a really good conversation for us to start with in week one because I feel like this conversation is fairly representative of a lot of conversations that we've had over our course of being friends with one another. And I think this quote probably does set the tone for where we're at on a lot of things. So I don't know if you want me to read the quote and then you can give your response or if you'd like to read the quote yourself. Uh, um, you know, I, I know a second ago we were looking at um, an article because Unfortunately, right now, for some reason, I'm blinking a little bit on the context of what what calls for the quote to even be made. I don't know. It's Charles Barkley, so he probably <laughs> just brought that shit up out of nowhere, to be completely honest. But I, I guess I to know, give context, yeah. the, the, the Final Four recently, uh, there was a quote that you thought that was interesting from Charles Barkley, and uh, uh, I'll, I'll read it off real quick, and then you can tell me. So the quote that you found interesting was, I'm not going to do it in a Chuck impression as much no. as I want to. It'll get annoying pretty quick. <laughs> but, uh, man, I think most white people and black people are great people. I really believe that in my heart. But I think our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so they can keep their grasp of money and power. They divide and conquer, said Barkley, who retired from the NBA in 2000. Uh, Follow-up quote here. I truly believe in my heart most white people and black people are awesome people. But we're so stupid following our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrat, and their only job is, hey, let's make these people not like each other. We don't live in their neighborhoods. We got all the money. Let's make the whites and blacks not like each other. Let's make rich people and poor people not like each other. Let's scramble the middle class. I truly believe that in my heart, he continued. Yeah, and I, if I remember correctly, it was because the game that he 
was, uh, you know, presenting for, uh, it was on the anniversary, I believe it was on April 4th, which is the anniversary of Martin Luther King's assassination. Mm. So, um, that being said, when he kind of made that quote, besides where it was coming from, what I found interesting about it was just that here's somebody who's a prominent figure in the right to where they're a, um, what's the word I'm trying to say? They're, they're a recognizable celebrity. And, you know, to just kind of say that on live television is something that I feel like most I would hope most people are aware of or understand the concept of, but nowadays, you know, necessarily see it as much in terms of sometimes there's certain conversations and uh, arguments that are happening on social media about topics dealing with race, dealing with uh, certain just viewpoints on policies that a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times it's, literally so obvious that there's an idea that's being pushed out to pit people against each other rather than coming together to have an honest conversation about what's the best thing for everyone and he just laid it out there for exactly what it was like it's it is that it is it's not just republicans it's not just democrats it's not the left and the right it's the same people who've been playing that same game of how do we make sure that people don't get along too well together that we can't influence decisions, we can't influence politics, we can't influence uh, law changes and how the government's going to work because, well, if everyone's on the same side and the same on the same issues, they're going to look and realize, hey, we're all over here. We are missing good health care. We're missing um, and enough uh, what's the word I'm going for? Um, we don't have the means to provide for ourselves in some basic ways that should be just a human right, like accessibility to clean water, accessibility to health care when needed and not having to pay these a just stupid amounts of money for something that should be a basic human right, like being able to be healthy. You can put the argument however you want about that. Well, when you have a capitalist system, it drives uh, innovation. It drives making people having to be the best of their class because that's how you're going to make the most money. But we already know, like, that's not even really how this system works for us. It's not really based off of who's got the best and who's going to, that the criminal, uh, What's the saying? The cream in the crop yeah, always rises or whatever. It's not necessarily that. It's this built system where the people who have the power, who have the influence, who have the money, maintain a way to keep that in their circle, to keep that in their group, whether that's passing it down to families or, again, it becomes a, hey, once you're in this politics space, you're on a whole nother planet from other people because you're finding information out information about uh i'm getting a little bit off topic but you're you're, okay. you're on the inside of a lot of things about what's actually going on in this country and more times than not the choice that's made is not for the betterment of everyone in this country it's for whoever's going to fill their pockets whoever's going to pay them to make sure that a certain law gets passed that aids this billion dollar company or aids this trillion trillion dollar federation of companies or whatever then it's going to be okay what is the best thing for the environment right now you know that's going to keep this planet that we're destroying healthy what's the best thing for the average american to where having access to cleaner healthier foods is something that's as easy as going to mcdonald's and getting a mcdouble you know, like certain things that should be obvious, it should be a certain way that aren't because of just greed. And it's interesting because it like when we were looking at it, it's, it's not like a lot of people really talked about what he said. But it is something to highlight because my hope, at least, is that more people like him start to bring this up. Because at the end of the day, 
unless you have a certain amount of clout, most people aren't going to tune in or care about what you have to say about something. But when you do have those people starting to point people in the right direction, it's still going to be on the individual to do your research, to be more informed about how these things are working and to question certain standards that are kind of set in front of us where we're supposed to just expect that, oh, because I'm a black male, I should vote Democrat. Or, oh, because I'm this, I shouldn't vote for this or I shouldn't vote for that. There's nothing that is ever black and white like that. There's always nuance. There's always gray areas to things. So that's why it's important to be informed and to make more informed decisions with that information. But if the people aren't getting told that and instead are just getting everything fed to them as, okay, are you team red or are you team blue about this situation? That's where they're going to stop. They're, they're not going to take that time to really look into these things. But hopefully when more conversations like that happening on a national level, more people start to kind of think that way. Yeah, I, I like the part in the comment where it highlights that a lot of people are way too caught up in their politics because I, I do believe that that's absolutely true. I think there are a lot of there are a lot of specific there are a lot of specific topics and specific causes that a lot of people hold very true and dear to their heart. And obviously a lot of people are going to advocate for those and they're going to express their opinions on a consistent basis. And I think some situations aren't meant to be political. They're meant from a different place, but unfortunately politics does have way too deep of a root in almost everything in the world right now, in my opinion. I think everything is political and that makes me uneasy very often because I know that it's better that way for politicians because then it makes everything really simple and it makes it really easy to phrase um, and present certain topics in certain ways for the purpose of attracting voters as opposed to having a nuanced conversation about how to potentially resolve some of these issues. Um, so uh, Charles Barkley, I, I've always liked Charles Barkley. He's a funny guy. I love watching the He's an honest guy. The that, NBA thing, and I agree completely. I don't always agree with everything that he says, but one of the things that I've always really appreciated about Charles Barkley is he is in no way, shape, or form afraid of sharing his opinion, regardless of whether or not people are going to agree with it. And sometimes he shares his opinion, and he finds out pretty fucking quick that you are very alone in that form of thinking. But at the same time, I like when people are willing to express their their thoughts and their opinions, even if people don't always agree with them, because I think uh, the world's a uh, I don't know if it's a it's weird because sometimes when you hear people's opinions right you're like oh that that opinion is problematic i don't want you to share that opinion because i'm scared people are going to take that opinion on but i like knowing that that's what they think do you know what i mean like right. especially if i disagree with them like i'd rather not live in a world where everybody learns what, what's the right thing to say so that you never make anybody mad or offended but that doesn't necessarily represent the way that they feel i like there being less of a filter so that people tell me how they feel it makes it easier to dictate what I want to do in life you know what I mean and who I want to be around like I don't know it's interesting it is an interesting situation um, I agree uh, fuck yeah. the vision people are better stronger unified no matter what I think uh, the race conversation specifically is one that there's a very deep rooted history and there's a lot of therapy and there's a lot of conversations that need to be had and there's a lot that needs to be done to grow the relationship you know what I mean I, I agree with that wholeheartedly but at the same time I do think that sometimes from the top it feels like they don't want it to be healed because it's easier to present things when it's a little more black and white like you mentioned a little bit earlier yeah yeah I mean it's like I said there, there's there's so many re examples it, it would almost be uh just redundant to sit here and try to go through and say well hey look at this situation or looking at this situation like it's known and it's seen that clearly things have been um are, are put out in ways to speak to certain agendas rather than just stating the facts and allowing people as individuals to decide how they feel about it i mean just recently um 60 minutes got caught doing that and it sucks because They've been, um, you know, historically, like, pretty accurate, pretty unbiased. Like, a, a source of news you could go to and 
know that their reporting was done thoroughly and it was done fairly. It wasn't done with a certain bias going in to lean this way or that way. Unfortunately, now that's something that could potentially be questioned going forward because uh, essentially they did this piece about the uh, Florida governor and mm-hmm. they it was about uh, Publix, which is like a big chain of grocery store in okay. Florida. Um had one this bid to uh, be like the number one distributor of vaccines in a certain area and they tied it to oh well they also made a hundred thousand dollar campaign donation to this guy and mm. they cut they couldn't interview him um, directly so when he had like a press conference at some point they went to the press conference asked him some questions he gave an answer and the way they edited it, it sounded very much like he was saying, oh, well, you know, I talked to this person and this person, and that's how we got here. And then they got a quote from someone saying, oh, well, actually, he never talked to me. So they framed it like, oh, this is all a lie. Publix got this bid because they made this donation. This got shitty. And they also, um, I think there was one other part to the story, but the main thing was when you actually go to the interview that he had during that press conference and everything he said, he says it from a whole other perspective where it's like, hey, first off, Publix wasn't like the only one we went with. They first went to CVS and Walgreens. And then after certain debates and conversations with the people in the county, which Publix is not number one place for it they were like hey look it actually makes sense to do it this way most of our elderly uh population in that area is palm beach county i think it was um they're all like within a mile or a mile and a half of a Publix, so it only makes sense to do it at Publix. it'll work better that way and that's why they went with it it had nothing again based off of that information we don't really know um it was nothing to do about whether they made a donation or not now, that shows a problem with uh, politicians accepting donations. But the issue is, you guys push so hard to make it look like this guy, this Republican governor, was doing th- this bad thing. And then now you just got caught up in that, which only empowered him. So he, uh, I can't remember his name. I think it's like DeSantis, is, I believe is his last name. But... Yeah, I'd have to look um, into this. St- I'd be interested in uh, next week picking back up on this and jumping into it a little bit more. Following up, I get a chance to read up on the situation. I'm not very familiar with the story, but I am very familiar with uh, the media misrepresenting things. Yeah. It is a very accurate thing. That's just, that's undoubted, and it sucks. It's like that, but that is unfortunately how it is. And I think it's interesting because uh, you mentioned with the 60 Minutes thing, um, with them being like a, a trusted source, and it's, you know, kind of funny that their format is the 60 minutes like we're going to do more it's not like your uh nightly news where you get like you know two minutes on a story or five minutes on a story maximum like the 60 minutes we're going to go a little bit more in depth but it's tough sometimes to give all all matter of context like i said i'm not familiar with the conversation itself so i want to kind of like withhold too strong of an opinion on anything like that before i look into it but it's an interesting conversation i'd be interested in following up on that if you would for the the next episode a little bit Absolutely. I, I think Which is my polite way of wrapping <laughs> us up. Yeah, yeah. You got anything you want to close out with before we go? Um, Other than, you know, if you're interested in that story, definitely look into it. Like I said, we'll talk about it a little bit next week. But um, to that same point, just vet your sources. Whatever information you're getting from the internet, again, anyone can go in there and say anything is fact i go in there and make it look like my net worth is two billion dollars i promise you i'm not worth two billion dollars so just make sure you're um questioning it a little bit more don't just take it are you in QAnon? no hell no okay no. <laughs> see that well hey that's my point if you question things a little bit more i doubt there'd be so many people in QAnon, but you know, that's that's all that's another conversation. They question everything excessively, even things that we figured out. Okay, there, like, there's you, a, you could tell you could prove to me that no, I'm joking, I'm joking. 
There's a scientific yeah. way to question things, and then there's a, I'm just going to be stubborn because I don't want to believe truth way of just going about, well, I'm just going to question it because why? Because it's that easy. All you have to do is say why, and you're good. I'm not saying do that. <laughs> I understand completely. Um, for everybody listening, we appreciate it. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your day if you did choose to do so. If you'd like more things Sacred Time, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sacred Time Pod. If you'd like more things from me on Instagram or Twitter, you're shit out of luck. Uh, <laughs> anything on you, Big Blurred? Um, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Big Blurred. I'm working on other stuff, so we'll have more of that come next week. More exciting news coming forward. Uh, thank you guys for listening to Sacred Time. Just remember, time is sacred. Thank you. Thank you.